We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to Talking Buffalo, featuring conversations with guests from around the world of sports, media, pop culture, and all things Buffalo, with your host, Patrick Moran. All right, once again, we're here live from Imperial Pizza in South Buffalo. Thank you, everyone who's watching or will be listening tomorrow. Another episode of Talking Buffalo, episode 592. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of episodes. It is. Thank you, everybody, ever watching for listening. We are live here at Imperial Pizza. I am joined by two guests today. To my far left, Channel 7 sports anchor, Matt Beauvais. Hello. And to the middle, ironically, I say episode 592, the guy who was on episode number one, literally the first episode ever in the history of this podcast, Sal Capaccio. What's going on, buddy? How are you doing? First of all, let's get it right. Sports director, Matt Bovey. Let's Sports oh, yeah. director. Heck, man. Come on. Yeah, come on. Yeah, you got to say it right. I was just thinking, will you skip over episode 666 where you actually have one? And what will that be like? I, I, I haven't thought about that until you just literally said that. I don't know. It's got to be a special Halloween. Somebody episode. dark would have to want to be a guest. <laughs> yeah. To, to like do a, that it's show. like the 13th floor of a hotel. Exactly. It just doesn't exist. You just go right to 667. Right. You just do like two 665s or something. Yes, there you go. No, sales been on plenty of times. I've had Matt on a couple of times as well. Matt's first time that I've had you here yeah. in person. Sal, you were here not too long ago with uh, Tim. We did we did show here uh, earlier this year. Matt, this is your first time here in Imperial Pizza, man. This place Pizza, is legit. Man. This is awesome. I've obviously always heard about people talking about how great the food is mm -hmm. for Imperial Pizza. Yep. Everybody always has, like, when you do, because you've always been talking about wings, too. You talk about, like, how good sure. the wings are all around Western New York. The food was outstanding. So I'm not a South Towns guy, a South Buffalo guy, but I think I'm going to have to start coming down here more often because it's so good. Yeah, it's uh, this is a nice vibe, a nice uh. We got the nice weather too. We got the patio set up. This is gorgeous. yeah. If you're watching this on video, by the way, we are outside again. I did this with yeah. Lance last week and took a chance, and it worked. So we're yeah. back outside. It's just a a nice Buffalo, uh, comfortable summer summer evening. And by the way, Sal's here with his wife and Max had some some good eats here at Imperial. It got me thinking, and we'll talk some Buffalo for everyone watching. We'll talk some Bills. Got a couple segments. We're going to talk about the podcast that you two guys do together as well. We're right now, when it comes to parenting, at three completely different stages with children. Yes. Like mine aren't literally are not children anymore. Now they're younger adults. So that really makes me feel old. 
Matt, you are quite literally yes. getting congratulations, by the Thank way, of you course. Very much. Appreciate and it. You're getting started in yep. the process of, of parenthood. And uh, you know, you have a, a a girl, and someday she might be running around playing some softball or volleyball uh -huh. or golf. Yeah. Pickleball. Like I know oh, we'll talk about that yeah. in a few minutes. Golf and pickleball would be <laughs> awesome. So you said, you know, well, you got a while before that. And then Sal, you got Max now, who's dead smack in the middle of sports. Like you're in it now. You're in it deep. It'll be 10 in December. Yeah, it'll be 10 in December. Baseball, lacrosse, taking up your time, taking up your money. Don't get me wrong. It's all fun and it's worth it, but you, I, I know you know what I'm talking about. We just came here today. Mm -hmm. We were at a uh, baseball tournament in Clarence, a travel baseball tournament. It's like going on all weekend, and that was one of the reasons I said, yeah, let's do this, because he's going to be really hungry after the game and the, the tournament and all that, but it's, <laughs> it's a lot of baseball. It, it, no doubt about that, and he just wrapped up a Floor hockey league we did in North Tonawanda. Flag football starts this Saturday. Wow. He's in that. So, yeah. I, baseball for me is tricky. Never played it growing up. Never played baseball. Dad never played baseball. So, there was never like the push to like, okay, my kid's going to play Little League. So, mm -hmm. you're the one. So, I'm the one. And the, <laughs> the tough thing for me about baseball is it's when the weather's beautiful. Like, my yeah. dad used yeah. to have to like drag me to hockey practice at these weird times in the middle of the winter, but at least the weather's not good. That's right. In the summer, we just kind of hung out. You go golfing, baseball, every day. You got practice. You got the games. It's nonstop. That's the secret to you being a good golfer. You didn't play baseball. Yeah, maybe that's what it is. And a lot of people have to, like, unlearn how to swing a baseball bat to learn how to swing a golf swing because they're so different. For me, it wasn't. You know what's weird, though? This is a weird one. Played hockey growing up left-handed. Batted left-handed when we, like, played with, like, our friends and stuff. Golf right-handed. Really? Yeah. That is a bit odd. Isn't that a little strange? Yeah. You're right-handed, though. I am right-handed, yeah. So Max and I are the same here. I'm right-handed, so is he. But we swing all sticks left-handed. Swing hockey left, swing golf left, swing uh -huh. baseball left. Not completely rare. A lot of people do that. What is rare is to be of the highest level of baseball to throw left-handed but bat right. I learned this from Tim Graham, speaking of Tim. First time I ever heard this stat was from Tim Graham, and it's true. In the history of Major League Baseball, there's been only there's been a handful of players that have like 2,000 at-bats that threw left and batted right. That's it. Like there's not been many. Really? A yeah. lot that have thrown right, batted left. But thanks, Tim. I remember you telling me that, telling <laughs> me that years ago, and I always use it now to tell people to be impressed. One of them is Ricky Henderson. Batted left, but batted, threw left, but batted right. Very, very oh, rare. Wow. I never realized that. Did Max pick up sports pretty quick? He's athletic. He's, yeah. He's, he's athletic. I mean, yeah, from a very young age, you could tell that he would be athletic. You know, um, I'm not saying my son's going to Major League Baseball or anything like that. He's He's not the best of the best for all these teams he plays on. Although, you know, floor hockey, he was like the league MVP and all that. But he um, he just picks everything up pretty quickly. Today, I took him to golf with me at Delaware Park. Yeah. I'm in a league. And, you know, he's really never golfed, but he just learns it quickly because yeah. he's an athlete and he can adjust. Do you look forward, Matt, to, to when, you, when your girl gets old enough that she can start getting into some stuff? Yeah, I definitely do. Just because obviously when you like do what I do for a living, you spend so much yeah. time at sporting events, but then it becomes your job. So I think it takes a little bit of the fun out of it. And I'm really excited to whatever she decides she wants to do. If she wants to play sports, great. If she doesn't, wants to do other stuff, totally fine. But I'm really like looking forward to seeing her enjoy it and like the process that comes with it and watching her get better. Like right now, it's cool watching her like start to roll over a little bit. Or yeah. Like starting to make noises. And I'm like, wow, it would be really cool to watch her like learn something from the beginning and then pick it up and play it for however long she wants to do that. So 
Golf is the big one, though. I would love it if she golfs just because I enjoy it so much that I think, one, you get a really lot of quality time with each other. Sure. And two, quite frankly, there's not a lot of girls who are little kids who start golfing at an early age. So I would love it for a lot of different reasons. So, you know, my wife is listening, which I think she is. <laughs> Ellie's going to play golf. <laughs> <laughs> a, a question. Well, for both of you, Sal now and, and Matt at some point, because you guys both work in sports. So I want to try to make sure that I, I phrase this right. I, I, I see one of the biggest problems with kids who play sports with parents that can be overbearing uh -huh. and the pressure sometimes yeah. of playing sports, especially, you know, if your child ends up talented enough to play at higher levels, you, you get that, you sense that pressure. You're in sports. You're around these professional athletes yeah. all the time. So you know what it's like. Do you think that maybe because of what you do for a living and you see firsthand the pressure that comes with sports, that that might equip you to when you're raising your children and, and playing sports to be able to kind of dial it back a little bit, you know, as a parent and, and make sure that your kid doesn't feel too much pressure? Because And then I'll turn yeah. this over to you. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. I, let, let, let me go here first. I would say for me, it might be different. I coached high school. Yeah. Coached high school baseball. Uh, track and field. Mm -hmm. I've coached Little League. I've coached Pop Warner. Mm -hmm. So to me, I think that I've kind of had to navigate those waters already yeah. to learn about not allowing that to happen and trying not to let that happen. But now, now I'm in a different space. When I coached, I did not have kids. Yeah. And I was coaching other people's kids. Sure. Now I have my own son, and sometimes even I feel a little bit of the pressure because he feels the pressure. Mm -hmm. He wants to do well, and you know he gets an out, and he feels really bad about it, or he's pitching, and I can see the pressure building up, and then. The mom makes a bad call and you want the best mm -hmm. for your kids. So I have to tell myself and remind myself, okay, you know, it's just, I, I got to treat it like I did all those years coaching. So I don't think it's because I'm involved in sports and seeing that. I think it's just because I've experienced kind of coaching at this level for this age. Yeah. I think for me, I never played little league baseball, like I said, but I did ump little league baseball for a little while yes. and I was umping for eight year olds and I would get screamed at yeah. parents and stuff about missed calls and these little things. And I'm like, my goodness gracious, some people just take this so serious. And I know why. It's because they love their kids and they want yep. their kids to do well and they want their kids to achieve whatever goals that they ultimately have. But I think back to that and I think back to all the like high school sports that I've covered over the years and you just see some of those interactions and I just tell myself like, I want to care, but I never want to do it that way. Yeah, I want to tell my kid, you know, this is what you're doing well. This is what you can do better. But I never want to be the guy that's screaming at the ref or yelling at the umpire or making a scene or doing anything like that because I don't think that ultimately gets you anywhere. I think if you just kind of like sit back and just watch what's happening and take it all in, you're better for it and then your kid will be better for it because they don't have that extra added pressure on top of it. I would like, if I could go back in time and do some things different as a sports parent, and by the way, I'm sure a lot of people are watching and listening either they have kids now, or maybe uh -huh. they might have kids or they might be in sports yeah. or they will be. So maybe it's just something that, you know, some information that they can retain. But I know I was a good dad and I am a good dad and I was a good sports dad. I was very supportive uh -huh. of my son. I went out of my way to make sure, you know, I said, you're doing great, this and that. Cause, but I wish I would have did a better job of helping him not feel pressure. You yeah. know, like I said, when you get to a certain level and say, oh, you know, this, you've been down in Florida, Florida high school football is a different animal. No disrespect to Buffalo up here. It's good. But football in, in, in Florida is it just, is. it's different in the pressure and the. the, the I, I don't know, though. Here, here's what I'll tell you. You shouldn't feel bad about that. I'm going through that now because I see my son put a lot of pressure on himself yeah. playing sports, and I've tried to do that. But there's almost like nothing I can do. Intrinsically, they just put so much pressure on themselves because there's yeah. pressure and they want to do well and they're on that stage. 
So I try that all the time. Yeah. Sometimes it's a little more successful, but it's always hard. It's, it's always hard. So I wouldn't feel bad like that because I think your son, knowing he played college football, was a high-level athlete. He would have always had that, whether you yeah. tried to alleviate that or not. Right. I, I, I feel like, again, upon reflection, just at playing at that level and not even pressure from your parents. Again, yeah. I, I'm not sitting there. There's I wasn't. The but like what Matt described, uh -huh. I'm sure you see a lot of that. I'm, that's yeah. not, I never was that at all. But pressure from the school, yeah. the coaches, scouts that are watching you. You know, you got 2,000 students and you're the captain of the team. Just all that pressure weighs it and it builds on the kid. So if I like, like I'm saying, if I go back and do one thing a little bit differently, maybe just find a better way to make him not feel that pressure. Yeah, but at you know, the same time, there is a positive to it because I think pressure is an important thing sure. to be able to navigate through. True. Whether it's in athletics or it's in life or it's in work or whatever it is, you're going to face these high pressure situations, and you yeah. need to know how to be able to attack them. You know, you don't yeah. want to be somebody who folds under pressure. You want to be somebody who can navigate through it. So I think that there is a valuable lesson there. It's a balance, but you're also looking at it from the point of hindsight. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Know, and it's it's a lot easier to say. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it, it, it definitely is. Now, I've talked to both you guys individually many times, but first time I've had you both on the show. And one of the reasons, well, there's a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons why I wanted to get you guys together on this podcast or live from uh, Imperial Pizza is to talk about your podcast, which is all it's always game day in Buffalo. I wrote down some notes. I'm not going to give you any trivia here, but you guys started, you started it in like mid, late May, early June of yep. 2022. Talk about that process, starting the podcast, what kind of made you not so much even just decide to do the podcast, but the team up together, some of the thought process that went to into putting it together. I mean, to start, you go ahead and start because I think you'll be very surprised. It wasn't our idea. It was not our idea. Really? Yeah. No. So I actually remember we were at the NFL owners meetings, not together. He was there for WGR. I was there for Channel 7. Mm -hmm. It was in Florida. It was big owners meetings because they were figuring out the stadium stuff. And I have my direct messages open, but it's filtered. So if you like, if I follow you and you DM me, the message goes right to my phone. If I don't follow you, it goes into a folder and I just have to approve it to see it. And I got a message from somebody at Odyssey Corporate. And they were That's like, WGR's WGR's parent company. Right. company. And it was basically like, hey, you know, I've been told your name about, you know, we like your work. We've been following you for a little while. We would be wondering if you would have any interest in doing a podcast affiliated with WGR about the bills. And it could be in addition to all the work you do at Channel 7. And I was like, okay, like that's certainly an interesting thing. <laughs> like, first off, is this real? Like, I got to make sure that I'm not getting like scammed by somebody. <laughs> so, all things bills at WGR is Sal. So, I think I went up to Sal and I was like, do you know anything about this? And then I think we quickly kind of put the pieces together that they had the idea in their head that they wanted to start a bills podcast. And that they wanted us to do it. I mean, who knows? Maybe they asked like 10 people and I was the first person to say yes or something. <laughs> but that's kind of how it all pieced together. And I mean, we had obviously known each other for several years, but we didn't like really, really know each other. We just knew each other like very, you know, two Italian guys from Western New York. Like, right. hey, chit chat here and there, friendly See with each, each other, golf room. occasionally. But, you know, we weren't talking every day or anything like so that. So it's always Game Day in Buffalo is an Odyssey podcast. Yeah. And... Odyssey, a couple of years ago, last year, a little over a year ago, whatever, had an idea that they created 
to have a podcast devoted to each NFL team and each NFL market. And my the, the person who hired me at WGR, not my boss, because he left right before I came up, Andy Roth. Andy Roth was the program director at WGR for years. He hired me in 2011. I came up, but he left. I never worked for him. He went to Cleveland. He now is the program director at the fan in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Odyssey as well. He came up corporate-wise with the name. It's always game day in Buffalo, Cleveland, Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. So that was the idea of, it's just like Locked On, Locked On Bills, Locked On Bengals. Yeah. They wanted a podcast of their own because all these other ones, they want to compete, right? Hey, why are we giving uh-huh. this podcast space instead of Locked On or whoever? We should do this on our own. So anyway, they said, let's do one in each market. So Buffalo is actually a really high-achieving radio market for local football, as you can imagine. Yeah. WGR does really well, a lot of listeners. Sure. So it's one of the markets they really wanted to hit. So what happened for me was I got a call from my boss, Alan Davis, and he said, hey, corporate wants to start this podcast. They want to do it along all these teams. Really, they're asking me who we should have, and I think it should be you. And I'm like, my first thing is like, oh, my God, I already do so much, right? Like I'm yeah. hosting shows and yeah. beat report and sideline. And they said, like, you can work out Odyssey. Well, it'll be in addition. It'll be separate contract. You'll work with corporate on this, but we won't want you to do that. And oh, by the way, they're going to give you a co-host. I said, okay. And he said, I know you know the co-host. I think you'll like the idea. And I'm waiting. He's never telling me. And finally <laughs> goes, it's Matt Bovin. <laughs> and I said, oh, that would be great. Of course. Yeah. That's how it all started. This is a corporate initiative. They came to us. And from there... We just kind of took the reins really under the umbrella of what corporate wanted uh, from Odyssey. And then really, I'll be honest, I think Matt, Matt can attest, we've kind of done our own thing with a lot yeah. of the blessings from them. Yeah. We haven't run into any barricades. Really, it's been more support that matters. than anything. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's more like, hey, we want to do this. Mm-hmm. Okay, we want to help you do this. That's yeah. really what it comes down to. I, I feel... My first thought when I, when I found out about it, I was like, well, I felt like this is due. It was overdue. Yeah. You guys both well, before your own podcast, you've always, both of you have been generous with your time going on a lot of other shows and talking to, obviously, you do this well. So I felt like it was due. And then on the video side, well, we'll talk about the video side in a second. So the premise with your, your podcast, obviously, is talking bills. Sometimes it's the two of you, just the two of you. Sometimes you guys have a guest on yeah. as well. So I actually will. I, I did look it up. So by the way, I'll refresh your memories. Your first guest that you guys had. I know. First guest we had, well, for the video or the audio? I, I, I think it was the only all time. I know. I know. Dawson Knox? Nope. Well, so, maybe I'm wrong, but. It, I think it's Eric Wood. Yeah. Eric Wood. Yeah, Eric, yeah. yeah. Okay. I think it's Eric we Wood. We interviewed Dawson. Yeah. But it might have been just like an interview we Yeah. Started. So That's we've right. had, you know, we've had some really great guests just like you have with your podcast. And that has been, I think, one of the things that's been a really nice kind of, I don't, assets probably not the right word, but when you're around the facility, every day yeah. during the fall like we are some of the people that you get to meet along the way you build relationships with you get to know a little bit we've had dawson on the show several times we used to have isaiah mckenzie on the show not frequently but like every once in a while mm-hmm. just because those are some of the guys you remember we did tim settle right when he signed with yeah, the bills yeah. and he was like thrilled to do this a little all bit pre, of it free video though this was all pre yeah, video exactly so i think it's really it came from just this very random text me- or DM for me and a phone call for sale. And in the first year, I, you know, I, I feel really happy with the progress we've made and kind of the continuous growth we've seen. And I Listen, didn't really know what to expect, but that, it's worked out. There, there's proof in this, which is like Matt and I 
I don't think I'm speaking out of turn saying this. We have we have an actual contract for Always Game Day Buffalo with Odyssey. Yeah, right. Like my, I have a contract with my radio station. I have a separate contract for this podcast. He has obviously because he doesn't work there. He has one, and we could have walked away from it mm-hmm. a few months ago, and we didn't. Right. Yeah. And we even we even built on it. We said let's do this, let's do more, and that's where the video component came in, which is actually their their initial what they wanted to do was have this big video thing. But honestly, we just couldn't do it. We're like man, this top yeah. of our schedules, we can't create it. We, we had a tough time kind of creating it um, together on video and doing all the editing. That's where they gave us a producer. His name is Lucas Buckley. It's Lucas great. works at WBEN. It's awesome. Hard time. Does a great job for us. We coordinate our schedules. Lucas throws on a StreamYard link, basically. He takes care of it. He does all. I think Matt and I said, look, we can do video. We just need to turn it on and talk. We need someone to do the video. Yeah, yeah. Us, right? Yeah. And that's kind of what happened. And that's where we are now and how it's growing. And what I told them was, they said, where do you want the video to live? Mm-hmm. That's where it became. I said, "Listen, a lot of choices here. I already had a YouTube channel. Yeah, I was already looking to grow it a little bit. And I said, I already have some built-in subscribers. Why don't I put it there? And yeah. that's why it's on my personal YouTube channel. Although it is still something that is the corporate looks at numbers, and we go through all the data and things like that. It's right there because I already had that built-in platform. And it was obviously an easier thing not to sell sell on, but like he works for the company, so for him to do a podcast with the same company." makes a lot of sense for me, then I had to bring the pitch back to Channel 7 and say, hey, this is something that I want to do, and this is why I ultimately think it benefits all of us. And they were immediately on board with it because you think about it, you know, you work in local television, yeah, there's other components to it, but I'm on TV for like three minutes at 6 o'clock and three minutes at 11 o'clock. This is an opportunity for people to really get to know you for more than those three minutes. You can show off your personality. You can give your opinions. And I think it brings in, hopefully, an audience. I think there's people who listen to the podcast who hopefully are like, oh, I like Sal. I'm going to listen to him on GR. And I like Matt. I'll throw on Channel 7 or vice versa. Maybe they watch me on 7 and they listen to him and they go, okay, I like those guys. Now I'm going to go check out their podcast. So I think it really kind of is a perfect blend. And that's one of the reasons why early on there's been some success. That's, with it. There's the two things the most that I do like about your podcast. And, my, and I, I looked at your video numbers and we were talking about this when we were eating wings before we uh, started these camera rolling uh-huh. here. Great wings. I was surprised. I shouldn't be surprised, right. but I was surprised to see how well on the video side you guys are doing. And I say that because even though I have video right now, and at least some people are watching it, the majority of people who, who check out this show is on the audio side. And me personally, I listen to audio. So I listen to you guys on the audio side uh-huh. a lot, not so much on the video. Yeah. I was surprised to see how well you guys are. I mean, video, you guys are putting up, and they're not even just clips. So, like, a lot of these are 40, 50 minute podcast episodes mm-hmm. that are getting two, three, 4,000 views just within days of, of being released. Yeah. And the video, that's not easy to do, I'm man. surprised too. I think a lot of it is because we we, we pump out that clip or two. Right yeah, away. yeah, yeah. We put it up there. But I also now I've grown my subscribers are up to 3,600. South Sports, by the way, on YouTube. <laughs> I'm up to 3,600 subscribers. And, you know, you see that. And, one, you know, Matt knows a lot of the kind of tricks of the trade that you guys know, like how to kind of put it up there with certain words. I don't know what yeah. the, the terms are called. You put yeah. certain SEO. Well, SEO, you're trying to hit right. different like search engine optimization right. terms. Yeah. Obviously thumbnails matter when you're talking that's about a video base. In. And like that's been the blessing of having a producer who is able to assist with that stuff because that was one of the things that I think we said from the beginning. Like we think there's untapped potential here. We just need a little bit of help because we also have other priorities that are, you know, our full-time jobs. And they were good about it. 
and they've given that little extra help. And I think the momentum has really kind of built up. And that's one of the reasons why there's been some success. Well, like I said, the two things that I like most about your podcast, and you spoke out one of them just a few minutes ago, it does give you guys a, an opportunity to show your personality a little bit more. You know, like you said, Matt, you're on the air a couple of minutes. Yeah. You're talking sports. Sal, you're, you know, you have radio shows, so you, you got more time on the air. But still, the two of you together, you, you see the personalities of you two blend well together. And then also, I respect the fact that when stuff comes from you guys, Look, there's a lot of great Bills podcasts out there. There really are, man. Some people do some awesome jobs. They're very knowledgeable. They speak well to the team. They know the team very well, and the content is great. But it's different when you are in a locker room Mm -hmm. on a weekly basis. When you are at, you know, in today's world, the press conferences don't mean all of them. I could watch 90% of them at home. But when you get an opportunity, if – one player says something, you get an opportunity to go in the locker room and talk to someone else. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? To put a story together and things like that. You just have access and you're around things and you see things that you have the ability to talk about that other people, no matter how good their shows are, and they are very good, yeah. they just don't have that ability to be able to say, well, you know, I was in the locker room and you know, you're elaborating on something that's already out there. Yeah. That's one thing about that's value that your podcast has that most don't. Thank you. I would say that having two people who are on the beat, boots on the ground all the time, it that is absolutely 100% true. But I also think you you get a better feel for how the team operates and thinks. Sure. And it's not even just the direct quotes, let's say, where you go yeah. to the locker room, which is valuable, like you say. But, like, we cover Brandon Bean for a living, and we're around him. We talk yeah. to him. Like, we may see him at the facility, uh-huh. say words to him. We, we get a real good feel for how he operates – and what he wants out of his team or his roster. So I think when it comes time to us debating roster decisions and things like that, we come from that kind of knowledge base. And that's not to take away anybody's knowledge of the roster, of course, but I do think it brings a little bit of a different angle that's something that other people necessarily can't do who are, right. who are doing some of these shows. I also think there's times, and in television, the audience is different because you're appealing to an audience that's just like watching local news. It's not people who are strictly watching because of sports. Right. So you kind of have to paint things with a pretty broad brush because you're trying to get to as many people as possible. The podcast, we can speak specifically to people who really care about the bills because they are going out of their way to either watch or listen. And the things that we say, you know, it's very conversational. It's very lighthearted, but there's also things that we are trying to say in the podcast without actually saying them. Because they're things that we pick up on. They're conversations that we've had. They're little things that we learn along the way where we're like trying to steer you in the right direction without just completely flat out saying it. Because journalistically, we're kind of like, okay, I don't necessarily know if this is absolutely going to happen, but I'm going to share my opinion with why I think it could happen. And if we're sharing that opinion, chances are we're we're kind of trying to steer you in that direction of being like, hey, I wouldn't be shocked. Honestly, Uh a good example of this is yesterday. So we're doing this on Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Was the is this Thursday or Wednesday? It's Thursday. It's Thursday. Thursday. All the days oh, are Matt's got together. a baby and other things. So on Wednesday, on Wednesday was the NHL draft, yeah. right yeah. in the first round, and we talked about it on the radio this morning about Zach Benson. And Wednesday morning, I put out something about Zach Benson getting drafted potentially by the Sabers. Like that's not an accident. It's an educated guess. Correct. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like. There's parts of that with the pot. And there's a lot of people who are able to do I, I'm not like diminishing from anybody. Right. I'm just saying that's one of the things that we hopefully we can bring an audience. I'll bring a, another one. I'll give you just to pump our horns a little bit. I'll do it. Uh, 
back in March, maybe it was February, maybe it was February, one day, randomly, I tweeted out how, you know how the Bills could save some money? They could restructure Matt Milano's contract. <laughs> 24 hours later, they restructured Matt, Matt Milano's yeah, contract. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I we remember also, that. I mean, like, we also are, openly talked about I mean, the Bills playing the Jags in week right, five I mean, like, for like a month before, <laughs> saying like, I really think it could be week five or six right, for London. Right. So here, in, in really? people, so there are people watching this or listening right now going, well, if you know it, why can't you just report it? Well, that's well because there's certain things that you don't want to say to burn people to give you information. Right. There's certain ways that you have to phrase things and you don't, yeah, you, we don't want to put ourselves in a position where we won't get information at some point. Sure. Right. So it's always a tricky thing. I get it all the time. I get this all the time. One of the things that bothers me that people tweet at me is how can these people get something before you? And I'm like, I actually kind of knew that was happening, but I yeah. couldn't report it. Right. Like yeah. I have a, a certain, I have these boundaries that I sometimes can't cross because somebody might give me information and say, Hey, can't report that. And if I do, guess what? I'm not getting any information. Right. Yeah. I completely and, understand. And journalistically, it. too, from my standpoint, the way I was always taught, now it depends on the source, but in my head, I need to have two sources to report something. Like that's just like baseline. If I hear this player is getting traded from one person, I will not report it unless I have it from a second person. The only exceptions would be like if Brandon Bean told me himself right. or if the player told me himself. At that point, I would feel comfortable. And a lot of times you get to piece this information together with one person and then you're prepared for it. Another perfect example of this is the Madden cover. Like the story had been saved as a draft in our website for like three months about yeah. Madden, but it was only from one person and I couldn't ever get it from a second person. So it's good to have that in your back pocket, but you can't officially go out there and be like, hey, like this is going to happen because you still have that little voice in the back of your head like, well... I got that one from one person. What if they're wrong? Then it's your credibility that ultimately gets, you know, dinged. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's, what's um, your view right now on the relationship between media and fan? I feel like it gets magnified, both good and bad, uh -huh. because of social media. You know, a lot of people, they're fans of you, fans of your work. Uh -huh. It's out there for you to see. Way more than it was, say, before Twitter and, and things like that now. Conversely, on the opposite end, people want to be critical. Yeah. They have a platform, and people see that, you know? What like what do you, what do you feel like right now? Like, and especially, more so for you, Sal, because you, you've been around longer in doing this. Yeah. Like, do you feel like the relationship between fan and media has changed much? recently or has it kind of always been this way and you just people see more of it now because of twitter and stuff oh, like that it's changed dramatically yeah 
not for the positive. Right. Um, the fan, fans are very untrusting in many ways and also quick to pounce. Um, yeah. Now, that's True. always kind of been the case, but it is really ready to tell you when you're wrong yeah. or, you know, um, I think climate of our country has really kind of changed that in a lot of ways. Something as simple as verification on Twitter, like things like that that mm -hmm. we've gone through and like we can see, well, we don't need someone to verify that from a news source. Well, you, you, you kind of do. There's certain things going on in the world or in your community or whatever where there are trusted people who are actually talking to people to get you proper information. Yeah. But I think that fans, community, people don't want to hear that necessarily. They just want to okay, get it from wherever they want to and believe what they want. Um, I think I have, I personally cannot complain about any relationship I have with fans. I think it's great. I have the majority of people that I interact with are unbelievable, but I will tell you that I find it very, very hard sometimes to kind of navigate those waters of here. here I'll say is fans never, ever want to hear us complain about anything. And we shouldn't, we have great jobs, mm -hmm. but like, that's the biggest note because we have these great jobs. They are, they will tell you immediately like how wrong we are, how bad we are at our jobs, all those kinds of things. Stefan Diggs situation is a really good situation, like a really good example of, of something else. And I, I know it's like, I'm going to tangent here, but no, go ahead. Stefan Diggs. Like we keep trying to tell people how important it is for Stefan Diggs to speak to the media. Mm -hmm. Like it's just important. Yeah. We need to hear what he has to say about what's going on. But Pat, Lots of fans don't want to hear that. They just want to tell us how he has he doesn't have to talk to you guys. I know. He shouldn't talk to the media. The media twists everything. He should you're gonna be pestering him. We don't that's what we get all the time. And it doesn't matter how much we say, no, we need to hear from him. That's the response we get from fans a lot of times. I talked to uh Tim before Matt, yeah. and I know you got more to add to that too. No. But when I had Tim on a couple of weeks ago, he was talking about that. Like what happened with Diggs when he didn't go to the one mini camp and then McDermott spoke. McDermott is the one who was saying very concerned, and the fans basically blame the media for yeah. making it into a yeah. story, even though it, it was literally works. Sean McDermott who was at the podium. Yeah, I think, Go ahead. The, I think the lines, there's certainly a positive and a negative to this. The thing that sometimes bothers me is I feel like this is a space where everybody should be able to have a voice and you don't need to knock the other side down sure. to try and lift yourself up. And I feel like for some members of the media, they don't want to listen to what fans have to say or they say, well, that's just the opinion of a fan and this is the opinion of the media. I think that's BS, especially in the age of social media. Mm -hmm. But then vice versa, I think there are some things with fans where they are always so quick to jump down your throat because they're like, I could do your job better. You don't know what you're doing. You don't ever do this. You don't ever do this. Why don't you ever do this? And it is such a complicated, like, like with every job, sure. there are so many layers to all of it. So I really do think we are in a space where all of this is making everybody more informed and better. And I value that. Like, the more people out there who want to talk about the Bills is great for all of us because yeah. that means interest, that means eyeballs, that means readers, that means listeners. But we can coexist. Like, it's okay. Like, that's the one thing that sometimes bothers Can me. it be hard? Let's say 15% of fans uh -huh. give you shit for whatever. They yeah. they're got you. They, they want to get you so bad. They want you to be wrong about something. They want you to complain about something, whatever it is, so they can jump on you. That's 15%. 85%, I feel, uh -huh. are good fans. Yeah, fans sure. that value. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Fans that value yeah. what you have to say, what you know, what you report, just, you know, all the stuff, the work that you do. 85% of fans, uh -huh. I feel, appreciate it. But it can be hard, I would think. I mean, you guys would know a lot better than me to navigate that 15%, to not let it creep yeah. into your head 
too much that it ruins the 85% of you or the fans out there that say, you know, these guys are busting their ass and doing good work. We all have our moments. I've certainly succumbed to biting back at people, tweeting mm -hmm. something. And I'm like, why did I do that? Like that person got what they wanted. They got a reaction out of me, right. for example. So uh -huh. I've just, you know, a lot of those kinds of things, if it's really toxic, like I'll block on Twitter, uh, for example. Um, sometimes you get phone calls on, a, on the air and the person wants to say their piece and that's great. Or they want to tell you you suck and they have every right to do that if they sure. want to do that. Uh -huh. And, you know, but you're here. We're human beings. We have yeah. we have feelings just like everybody else. And, you know, my son is there and my wife and I'm trying to do my job. And, right. you know, it, it it's, not, it's not perfect. We're trying to do our best. So, yeah, it can be tough sometimes. I, it took me took me a while, I think, in this business to realize not everybody's like me. Not everybody thinks like me because I think that. When you go out there and try to do your job, you think, oh, yeah, yeah, everybody's kind of like this and thinks along these lines. Not that you're always right or anything, but I I, I had to really understand that there is a, a lot of people that want to come at you in a lot of different ways that you have to kind of navigate that and sort it out. It's tricky. I think that it probably bothers like my wife and my mom more than it bothers me just because I think you have to, in a way, brush it off. Because if you let it get to you, yeah. I think that could be a pretty slippery slope. But I don't know. I also think sometimes the criticism is warranted. And if I make a mistake or if I need to be called out, then sometimes I think it's warranted. And I think that ultimately will make me better at my job. So I do think it's a balance because, quite frankly, we do it for a living. Like if there's something that needs to be criticized about a coach or about a player, sometimes we're in the position where we have to do that. So if we make a mistake and somebody wants to call us out for it. I think you can do it in a more courteous way than sometimes we get, but Hey, that's I, just I criticized us, not you and me, everybody collectively. I criticized me and everybody recently. And I'll say this. I think we screwed up. Like I said this on the radio, nobody in that room asked Sean McDermott if Stefan Diggs was excused and we should have. I was right. on paternity leave. That would have been my first question. That's right? obviously. But, but think about it, right? And I thought, I, I, right. this is what I'm, I'm a very self-reflective person. I sure. try to think back and say, what could I have done better yeah. in that spot? Same thing, like coaching Little League. I, I always try to tell the other coaches, hey, you know, kid makes a mistake. Let's talk about why, why did that happen? Let's ask him, like, what were you thinking there? Things like that. I do the same thing in my own life, in my own mm -hmm. job. This whole thing happened with McDermott and what he said. And the, it became this story about how he changed and i said you know but no one asked him if he was excused the first day right we could have done that sure i could have done that now i know why we didn't do it because the way he made it sound the way he said it his tone indicated yes but wouldn't it be a natural question so I, I i think we kind of collectively i'll take it on me question i could have asked i yeah. would have i could have said coach let me just clarify is stefan Diggs excuse today Right, but I mean, those are little things sure. that I think that we can be self-reflective and better on. Sure. Uh, I mean, well, look, man, everybody makes mistakes. For what it's worth, the vast majority of people who are watching and listening to this show live from Imperial Pizza. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, are, are, are here with me and two people who are homegrown yeah. and have their dream jobs and are yeah. living their best lives. And I feel like that's how most fans uh, yes. feel about that for sure. Well, let's say, then we'll talk Buffalo Bills for a few minutes. And then I got a segment before we get out of here as well. But one thing I hear a lot about, I want to know if this bothers you guys or not. I hear a lot of people say that the media is too chummy with each other. Like, you guys are too <laughs> friendly. Like, like with each other? Not the players, right? With each right. Other. No, not with, amongst each other. Not the players. Yeah. Sure. Just, you know, in this market, it just seems yeah. like, especially on the football side. You know, on the hockey side, it's different. Yeah. <laughs> Let's yeah. put it that way. Football yeah. side, it feels like, and, and this is not a criticism. Well, if it is a criticism, mm -hmm. it's not from me. 
but I want to ask you guys, yeah. do you know, do you, do you hear some of that rumblings? Like you guys are all, you're all way too friendly with each other. The oh, golf yeah. bros, all the, all these yeah. things, you know, that you hear out there. Does it bother oh, you? I hear it. But I don't know if it bothers me. I think that it's fairly, I think you can be friendly and cordial and spend time with somebody while also still being competitive. Sure. Right. Like, I don't think that that's a completely, I really get along with Josh Reed and I really get along with Adam Benini and we see each other all the time. And those are the other sports directors in the market. We can be competitive with each other and also be cordial with each other. It's not like one or the other. I do not have to hate them to do my job or try and do my job as good as I possibly can. I don't think that those go hand in hand. So yeah, I've heard it. And I think that the industry has changed. I think there are so many layers to this. I think for a long time, Buffalo, I could have this conversation for like an hour. For a long time, <laughs> Buffalo was a market that a lot of people needed to work their way up to. You mm -hmm. would go to Elmira, then you'd go to Rochester, then you'd go to Buffalo, whatever it was, whatever sure. it was. It's different now. A lot of people start here. A lot of people come to this market, and if they're not from here, they don't have a lot of friends or they don't know a ton of people. And then they latch on with their peers. I see Sal and all of the other media members for the Bills in the fall more than I see everybody else in my life besides my wife and now my daughter. That's not an exaggeration. All you do is see each other. It's natural to have conversations. So when you're dealing with a bunch of people who some are from here, some are not, it makes sense that you would want to try and make friends where you're moving to, spend time with each other, and continue to kind of grow that relationship. So when that happens naturally, then it goes, oh, well, you can't be competitive competitors with each other. There was a time like six, seven years ago, whatever it was, where I was at Channel 7, um, Jonah Javad was at Channel 2, and Tom Martin were at Channel 4. And I was friends with both of those guys. Mm -hmm. I'm still friends with both of them. And they were so good at their jobs that it motivated me to try and be better. But I could still be friendly with them. And I could have conversations of, hey, why did you do this? Or why did you think about that? Or what do you do? And I think that ultimately leads to me being better down the road. So I, I just, I've never thought that there's that much to it. Yeah, we could have a whole podcast on this. <laughs> because it delves into a lot of things. Sure. I'll say short and sweet about it. Do we hear it? Yeah. You know who it comes from? Old school, old guard, watchdog, like people, gatekeepers of the media. I think it's freaking stupid, Pat. Yeah. It's yeah. stupid as hell to say that you can't be friendly with people who you compete with or you're too chummy. These are my some of my best friends. Josh Reed is probably like my we, he, my my buddy Chris. I've known for forty years. My best friend. I won't say that, but Josh Reed's one of my best friends. Like, and I've just met him six, seven years ago, right? Like Matt, we've become very good friends, mm -hmm. right? Like. These people are my friends. I, I'm, I don't, I'm, my corporation may say like, you know, we're not going to have this person on or this outlet on or that, you know, like you don't have those kinds of embedded relationships and they are sure. competitors. doesn't mean that I can't be a friendly person one-on-one. -on -one. And the other part about this is that's just me as a human. And I know him. Yeah. We are both very same. We're both, we're Italian guys and we like to talk and we're people, people. I say that to him all the time. We're people, people. Yeah. Like if I had to be like that, I would leave this business. If I couldn't be friendly with the people that I'm in the same room with uh -huh. all the time, I wouldn't be in this business. I'd be miserable. I'm happy because I get to say hello to people every day that I see every day and become friends with them. Now, do I have the best relationship with everybody? No. Do I once in a while, like brothers and sisters, do we? Oh, we fight. Do we a fight? Lot of, a lot of it, too. Like, there's a lot of, like, little things yes. that happen that nobody we else annoy sees the hell out of each other. outside yeah, of, sure. like, our little bubble. And... I think that's good. It keeps us on our toes. It keeps us reminded that like, okay, we are at times competitors and things do get heated. 
But, you know, I, I think for the most part, like, I don't want to say, like, you keep it in house because, like, I don't think that many people right. care. But most people would have no idea that, you know, on a Wednesday afternoon, I was screaming across the media room at a different person for this reason. And then we squashed it and then you move on. Not unless they find out on Twitter. Then that siren, the media. He finds out how that's going up there. But seriously, not to blow up your spot, like for an example, not so long ago, you had a birthday party and it was really cool to be there and just see so many different people from so many outlets. Let me tell you something. I went through this, what we did. My wife can attest. She's there. I literally went through every seat in the media room in my head and said, and I invited every person that I see in that media room on a daily basis. There's people who were like, like kind of surprised. I'm like, yeah, like we see each other a lot and we become friendly. Like, why wouldn't I want you there? I wanted a lot of people there, but yes, that's exact point I'm trying to make is I just, I like to bring, I'm, I'm a unifier, not a divider. I, I know you're a, you are definitely a people person. Right? Right? I've and known that, you for a long time. I, I wouldn't enjoy my job. If I couldn't be that way. One last thing too, relation. I think one of the things that I've learned, I've been at channel seven now, 10 years. And one of the things that I've learned that always kind of floats to the top is that relationships matter more than almost anything else, whether it's in news, whether it's in sports, whether it's in any industry whatsoever. And I think you need to have strong relationships with those who you work with and even those who you're competitors with, because you never know what's going to happen down the line. You never look at the media. People go from one station, one radio spot, one newspaper to a website all over the place. There's all these roads that kind of weave back and forth with each other. You never know where you're going to end up. Why burn a bridge that doesn't need to be burned? And then potentially close a door down the road. That, like that's way, stupid. Make no mistake. I still want to kick your ass in this, Pat. Yeah. I want to kick your ass, Perino. <laughs> kick your ass, cover one. We still want to kick all your asses. Sorry, Max. I'm swearing. Anyway, <laughs> you get the point. They're all great people, and there's so many people doing so many great things. But we all still want to be better sure. than them at what we do because this is our job. This is our lives, and and you know and. We devote so much to it and we're passionate about it. Can I shout out one person too? Like specifically one of the guys you mentioned was Perino. Yeah. So Perino and I have known each other since he came here. You know, I would say that we're friends with each other. When I started doing the podcast with Joe, we did a weekly podcast after the games with the athletic Joe Biscalia. And I went to Perino because he was having success with the shout podcast. And I was like, I've never done a podcast. Like, do you have any tips? And he like sat there and was telling me things of like, hey, this is what I value in somebody who I'm listening to a podcast. And I've always appreciated that. And that's somebody who was competing with the podcast that I was doing. But he went out of his way to help. And like, you remember that stuff. You value that stuff. Somebody, right? Like, why would you not help somebody in life to become better if they want to? That's what human beings do. I remember, like, I remember when. I don't know which Bills coach it was. It might have been Jim Schwartz or someone like that. There was somebody, I think they were on Doug Marone's staff, and they they took another job somewhere and they got like the, like, it was the, like Marone gave him like an endorsement. And someone tweeted at me, why would he do that? He's going to go to another team. He should want him in his staff. And I said, it's because human beings want other human beings to, to succeed. themselves. Yeah. That's what you do in life. It's an indication that you're succeeding. If right. the, those around you can elevate themselves. Right. I mean, like that's what human beings do. You you want to help people succeed, I would hope. Live here at Imperial Pizza, Sal Capaccio, Mapovay. All right, let's just at least spend a couple minutes yeah. talking about the Bills here. Compare this off this offseason. I mean, yeah. as long as you guys have been covering the team and just covering sports, generally speaking, this offseason, I mean, the storylines have been endless. Yeah. 
the stuff of Stefan Diggs, which we're not going to really deep dive into that. You got Josh Allen's dating celebrities, uh, you know, um, the Hoyer stuff that's starting to become controversial about the golf tournament, the Hopkins watch that went on, Leslie Frazier leaving the staff mm -hmm. in February, which, yeah. you know, when it got to be February, oh, been a lot. that's surprising. It's been, it has, that's my question for you guys. Can you remember an offseason like this? I don't want to say it's necessarily tumultuous because there's been a lot of good developments too, but uh -huh. like just so many things going on. Demar back on the field. Just It's just been a crazy packed offseason. I think that maybe none of them reach like, the absolute crazy, like, oh my gosh, we've never seen anything like this. But because there have been so many of these like storylines, like you mentioned, it feels like it's been over. I, it feels like now is the perfect time for a break until they can get to training camp. But sure. yeah, no, it feels like it's been nonstop, which at the end of the day is good for people who have a podcast about the Bills because you get a lot of stuff to talk about. <laughs> it sure is, dude. I, I don't think it's been as crazy as most may perceive. I think the reason it's perceived that way is because the team is much better now, so they're more relevant to a lot yeah. of people. So every little thing that's happening matters a little bit more. Let's remember, we had off-seasons here with a lot of turnover. We had an off-season where the coach and GM – I'm sorry, the GM was fired the day after the draft. Yep. We've had sure. a lot of coaches that they had to do searches for. GMs, you know, through the drought. A lot Quarterback. Who's the quarterback going to be? Uh -huh. through, you know, years and years. We had a quarterback slip on the mat at training camp and get hurt, <laughs> right? But that's when they were in the middle of a drought and people didn't, people didn't care as much. I do think it's also because this regime has not had some of the things they've had to navigate through until now. With like <laughs> Stefan Diggs there, obviously, you know, they signed Von Miller and the waste season ended last year and his rehab and the storyline there and DeMar Hamlin, those are all storylines. So honestly, I don't think it's really all that different from a lot of off seasons in the past. I just think the team is better. So you pay more attention and it's more a little people bit care. different. Oh, yeah. More people care. And it's a little bit different for this particular regime. Yeah. I think that too. The last thing that happened was the dig stuff, and that kind of took on a life of its own because, yeah. one, you're talking about a superstar wide receiver, a superstar quarterback on a team that's trying to win a Super Bowl, and you're at the point of the season where nothing else is happening. So a lot of people are going to talk about yeah. it, like seriously. So I think that because that's the thing that kind of is lingering here, maybe it'll seem like it's a bit more chaotic than it ultimately was, but it felt fairly routine i mean there were a lot of things that a lot of things happened this offseason that probably we were not anticipating would happen but i don't think any of them were like oh my gosh i could have never seen that coming you know i, I do want to say one quick thing about the dig situation just this entire offseason and I, i'm favorable to the media I, i'm just I, I feel like for the most part i'm just a nice guy i respect yeah. the job that most men and women do I don't need to be critical, but I will be critical if uh -huh. there's a reason to be critical. But when it comes to Stefan Diggs, this whole offseason and fans being so angry at the media at times, it's like most of this stuff has come from his Twitter, yeah. his cryptic tweets, him not showing up for workouts, yeah. whether they were voluntary or not, and then Sean McDermott saying it himself. So I just, you know, I just want to throw that out there. But anyway, camp comes in a few weeks now. That's in Rochester again for this year. Guys are obviously going to be there covering. What's your favorite and least favorite things about like going to Rochester to cover a training camp? We have a least favorite. Everything's great. We love uh, going there. All yeah. those people we were. I just can't stand them. I'm competitive. No, <laughs> uh, That's actually a great point. Like Rochester, we all get a chance to bond even more. 
Like we go sure. out at night, we hang out, uh-huh. yeah. we talk shop, we talk about life and family. My right? favorite thing is Marge's Lakeside Inn. Yeah. I don't know if I can give a free plug to them, but have you ever been to that place? No, I Marge's? haven't. No. It's a bar right on Lake Ontario. It's awesome. It's just a great, great spot to unwind after a long work day. They usually have live music. Yeah, I love that. Put your feet in the sand. It's just awesome. So I like that spot a lot. I like being able to spend time with the people that we work with that you don't get to see for like this little... because. You spend so much time with these people once training camp starts until when the season ends. And then right when the season ends, you kind of say your goodbyes and you see each other periodically for a week here or a couple days here. But then you don't really see each other. So it's nice to kind of just like get back into a routine a little bit. And honestly, least favorite thing for me this year, it's going to be being away with a baby who's going to be four months old. I think there'll probably be times when I'll be like, wow, I can go to bed and I'm not going to hear a baby screaming. But you're also going to feel guilty about like, eh, I feel bad leaving my wife back in Buffalo. Because especially during the season, you're already gone a lot. So it's hard to be gone for a practice when you're already going to be gone for, you know, 8, 9, 10, 11 games. Fans probably know this, but we get dorms. We stay in a dorm. We yeah. stay in a dorm yeah. room. I bring my mini fridge. I bring my coffee maker. I put these two single beds together to make one big bed so I can sprawl out. Yeah. Right? I mean, like, <laughs> I make it comfy. I make it home. I mean, but that's that's the part of it that I do like is kind of having that atmosphere and living life like that and going out and hanging out with all of these people, these guys and these girls. It's kind of like being in college again. It is. In some ways, in some ways, but what a job. And I actually do love just getting up in the morning, being able to make my coffee, go downstairs and watch, watch, go to press conferences, watch practice. Um, Marge's is great. Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh pub is where a lot of us go. Just very close by, by the way, across from Marge's is a actual amusement park called Seabreeze, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. Take Max there once in a while. I would say least favorite for me. It's might be the, the time crunch that comes with the daily basis of everything, which yeah. is I have to go on the morning show during my show. I'm on the field, depending on what time I could be hosting, but I could be on the field. Soon as the show is over, we got press conferences to go to. I have to write an article about practice. I have to go on the afternoon show. And look, that's part of the job. I'm not complaining right. about it, but there's a lot more pressure, time pressure involved in training camp on a daily basis than there is for me here in Buffalo. The casual fans who don't pay as much attention during the off season. Once it gets training camp, they're locked in. Yeah. You know, so that's, I would yeah. agree that pressure definitely gets ramped up. And I know as the host of this show, I got to keep it moving to the end here. But when you bring, you bring up such a good point about an opportunity to circle back. It's like an opportunity mm-hmm. to bond with people yeah. Yeah. outside of the job. And it just, it does. It, I'm not part of the media like you guys are, it, it's, but it bothers me that we'll there would be criticism. It, it just, it bothers me that, that would be met with such criticism. That's it's amazing. like, like you so ridiculous. Yeah. It's also an that. opportunity too. And I know this is something that we briefly touched on earlier. It's also an opportunity to bond. Bonds might be the wrong word, but to get to know the people you're covering a little bit better because the setting is so much yes. different than what it is on a Wednesday, a Thursday or a Friday during a game week. Sure. Like it's a good point. I can't tell you how many times, you know, you're sitting there on the sidewalk and there's a guy in a scooter going by to their dorm room and you stop and like, you know, Tim Settle was the person last year, Khalil Shakir, Gabe Davis, even Josh before he was a superstar. Like some of the conversations with Josh at training camp were great. And you know, like those guys are following, they're signing autographs and sometimes you're just standing there and then you have a conversation. I think it's good for them to see you in that setting. Because I also think it shows that like you're invested. Like, That's hey, a great listen, point. you're here from the beginning. Like, it's yep. important for them to know, like, okay, this is guy or this girl is going to be covering the team and it's going to be around. And I think that's kind of where you can build that foundation and that slowly gets stronger. That, that that's a really good point. So you're gonna be covering camp. 
fans are going to be going to camp. Well, fans that don't sell their free tickets uh, yeah. online and make a profit off it. But um, for fans watching or listening, what do you think are a couple of the fun or most intriguing storylines to look out for as when camp gets going in a few weeks? Like if you're a Bills fan, what do you want? What should I be locked into? Well, I think the obvious ones are the battles at like middle linebacker, cornerback two, right? I think behind um, at slot, right? What's going to happen is Dalton Kincaid, how much he's going to line up there, Khalil Shakir, Deontay Hardy. I One that I'm really interested in is just watching the flow of operation now with Sean McDermott calling the plays. Yep. I think that's going to sure. be really cool. I mean, it's a really a setting that fans can go and watch a full practice. You can't do that. Nope. Once you come back to Buffalo, we can't do that. We mm -hmm. can go watch stretching and go back in. So I think I'm going to take these 11 practices to really kind of watch the flow of operation to see what's going on with Sean McDermott calling plays and how everything is interacting there. I like to see how people can like players on the team can go from having a preconceived role of what we think their role on the team is going to be and ultimately shaping it by their performance at training camp. Like a perfect example of this from last year was Isaiah McKenzie going into training camp and then at the end of training camp carved out a role as the starting slot receiver. Yeah. Now he didn't have immediate success. And that led to a little bit of a bumpy road, and then ultimately he's no longer with the team. But it's not a surprise that he was so good during training camp last year. And then in the Rams game, he gets a touchdown right away. He makes a couple big plays. He has a ball hit his hands. It pops up in the air. They get an interception. Yeah. And then you start to have these questions. So I think it's an opportunity for those guys who maybe don't get enough shine, enough attention. To kind of like Gabe Davis a couple years ago. Gabe Davis immediately showed up to training camp, and we're like, wow, like this guy's going to like – make an impact like this isn't yeah. just like a fourth round wide receiver this guy might actually play benford last year benford last year like benford was a surprise that he started but if you were following training camp for a while it probably wasn't a surprise like you probably knew like okay i think that you know that guy's got an opportunity so this year some of the candidates for that are like deontay hardy trent Sherfield, puna ford dorian williams taylor rapp like how are these guys that have been added to this team going to ultimately make an impact. I got this gut feeling that a low-key battle and no one really talks about that I think is going to be worth watching. It could be good. Is Damian Harris and Latavius Murray. Like, who's going to be that oh, number Who's going to be the, two, the veteran back? The veteran back behind Cook. I, I Everyone's assuming it's Damian Harris. I'm not am, so sold on that. I, I am assuming it's him. I think Latavius Murray will have a role. My question is, does that role include being on the 53 or the practice squad? And if they say, hey, we really don't have room for you in the 53, will he say that I really don't want to be a practice squad guy at this point in my career, but I don't know what options he has. I, I think it will be James Cook and Damian Harris, but I do think Latavius Murray will have a role on this team at some point, whether that's on the 53 or being elevated from the practice squad. Then eventually, as the weather gets cold, they start to grind it out a little bit more. They need some, you know, tougher yardage, if you will. I think that's where he comes into play. Like a Duke Johnson type deal from last yeah, year. Where yeah, you're like, listen. Duke never actually played yeah. until the very end, right? Uh -huh. But yeah. I think it's interesting because Latavius Murray's numbers from last year are really impressive. Like, he was good. Consistent. In and he was consistent. And the thing with Damian Harris is he's had a hard time staying healthy. That's right. Sure. So I think that they'll both probably either be on the 53 I think Damian Harris makes the 53. I think Latavius Murray stays on the practice squad. But if you have an injury to Damian yes. Harris, I think Latavius Murray can immediately be a plug and play and not like, uh, oh, well, this guy is just going to dress in case we need somebody. Like that guy's going to dress and he's going to play. That's how I see it. One last question regarding the Bills, and I want to wrap up with the finish the sentence segment. Regarding Sean McDermott. All right. So this guy goes 13 and three last year, yeah. he loses three games by eight points combined. 
lot of stuff happened last year that we, you know, we're not going to have to go through all that. We'll be here all night. But yet, it seems a lot of fans were not happy about the contract extension. And it, I don't know. Do, do you feel like criticism that he gets right now is warranted? Because, yes, he hasn't gotten into the Super Bowl yet. And that's fair. Uh-huh. But, like, comparisons to Marty Schoenheimer, he's got a lot more losing in the playoffs before he gets to Marty Schoenheimer's record is I what think. I'm saying. Do you do you feel like it's fair right now, the criticism that he gets? I think it's far over the top. I think it's ridiculous yeah. most of the criticism he's getting because – I think most of it's coming from an uneducated place, to be quite honest. Most of the criticism is, oh, he gets conservative. Actually, the numbers say that's not true. It's the exact like, he's opposite. Like, he's right. like one of the most aggressive. Right, right. And, oh, well, what about the playoffs? Actually, you remember after the Kansas City game where he was very conservative and they lost uh-huh. and the, the COVID year, the next year it was super ultra aggressive yep. when he went back down there and played yeah. them. Last year against Miami, very aggressive in the playoffs. What, what do you got to tell me? He wasn't aggressive against the New England Patriots uh-huh. when they basically had the, the perfect game. But I digress from that particular point. I think it's ridiculous, a lot of the, the criticism. This coach, who's done so well, has this team in the playoffs five to six years, took the took the championship, division championship, away from the Patriots, has won it for three straight years. And I, I don't know what else you want. I, I, I mean, I know what we want. We want to win a Super Bowl. Everybody does that. But sure. yes, yes, I do think that it's over the top. No, I do not think it's warranted. I think a lot of it's luck. I think you got to have success in the regular season, and then you've got to have talent and a little bit of luck to win a Super Bowl. And I just think that they've fallen short and they've been outplayed, but they also just haven't gotten lucky. So I think you need somebody who you know is going to take you to the playoffs, and Sean McDermott has proven that he's going to take you to the playoffs. Once you get to the playoffs, then you need to play some good football, but you also need to get a little bit lucky. They haven't really gotten lucky in the playoffs, or at least they haven't gotten like continuously lucky to ultimately take them over the hump. I think there are some fair criticisms of why has this team not been able to take the next step? And I think him taking over the defense is one of his ways of trying to answer some of that criticism. I think he is taking on the burden and saying like, okay, I've heard it. I'm a defensive guy. Now, if you've got any gripes with the defense, you know who to point to. It's on me, and I respect the heck out of that. I do too. That's a good point. All right, so we're going to wrap up here at Imperial. When I have the guys from Cover One on the show, or now it's Anthony Marino on Wednesdays from Buffalo Rumblings, we play this little segment called Finish the Sentence. I'm going to read a sentence. Uh Not You guys don't know what the question is, and just pretty simple. Fill in the blank, all right? Uh I had to write them down because otherwise I would never remember them. All right, here's the first one. I got a few of them. If all settings in a TV show or movies were real life, not fictional, and you, which one would you have loved to have been a part of placing yourself, not as a character, but as Sal or as Matt on a show? For an example, I wish I would have went to Rydell High and, and Greece him in a T-Bird. Or I wish I would have lived in Jerry Seinfeld's comp- in his apartment building and been a neighbor on Seinfeld. That's what I mean. So the answer is blank. What, would you, what was yours? All right. Um, for me, I wish I worked in the White House during the West Wing. <laughs> like in the show The West Wing. Okay. Because Good one. I love that show. I'm fascinated by just politics. Not saying anything else than that. Fascinated by politics. And I just love just like, you know, the it, I just think that would be so cool. Like I'd love to be like, you know, the press. That's secretary. a good one. Like I could be like CJ Craig and like be the point yeah. the voice of the president. You know, I you know, I've never watched an episode. Of the West Wing? Yes. It's I, good. It's amazing. I never watched it when it was on the air. I, what would I say? I what, watch I it in reruns. 
I know, I know. I, that's what I want to say, but it sounds so bad. Why? I think I'd want to be in the, in the Sopranos. Like, Why? You know, it would fit you. You're what? Italian. Like, it's like, perfect. It sounds so bad because you're like, what do you mean? Like everybody, they die. Like everybody gets <laughs> yeah. They don't all die. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I can't yeah, believe like, Sal Capaccio yeah. wanted to be in the Sopranos. <laughs> <laughs> it's called wow. that is funny. I know. Well, hey, I would have. I would have. I would have been the people. I would have been the uniter to make sure that that didn't happen. To a lot of people. I'd be a bada bing a lot. Anyway. <laughs> all right. Next one. You were offered a hundred grand if you could recite ninety percent of a movie. What movie would give you your best shot of winning? Ooh, and what, basically, what movie, movie do you could you come closest to saying like word for word? Uh, mine is well. Can I say like Fantasia? Those are like silent, right? <laughs> I know <right? laughs> those are like movies. Can I say um, mine would either be Elf or Christmas Story? Okay, and I think I could get. Maybe not ninety, but I think well, I can do pretty a, well. Ninety is a little unrealistic, really but I think mine would be the Blues Brothers. Really, it's a great movie with wow. the music and everything. Wow, absolutely. Wow. Super Bad would be pretty high on my list too. You seen Super Bad? Yeah, I could recite almost I, all. I've of only Superbad. seen it once. Um, maybe Shawshank. Actually, seen that so. That's many my times. wife's favorite movie of all, all time. Right. She watches that like religiously every time it's on. Like. TNT or something like that. She watches it every single time. Um, all right, a couple more here. A game or a sports moment or a life moment, I suppose, or a historical moment, I should say, that you wish you could have witnessed in person is blank. Ooh, so it could be anything without not even sports? Some, something. Yeah, it doesn't have to be sports, I suppose. Something that like you could have witnessed in person, but you had to be there in person. I would think it would be sports because it's, you know, doesn't have to be, though. You I'm come thinking, up with something better. Boy, this is tough. Huh. Okay, so I've watched it on TV a lot. And I'm like, this is just amazing. I'm not saying this because my wife is standing there. She's from Germany. When the Berlin Wall fell. Okay. Like, I, I, I'm fascinated. I've watched it. I've gone back and watched the Tom Brokaw clips yeah. of standing there and the people banging through and getting sure. get chills thinking about it. Sure. And walking through these people who never saw their relatives for so many years literally walked through what the, what's the gates called? Uh, the Brandenburg gates? Right, the Brandenburg Gates—they walk through there, and it's stunning. And I, I almost tear up watching it. And yeah. I was like, "How cool would it have been to be there to see that moment in, in the history?" I think mine would be Lake Placid, nineteen eighty, Miracle yeah. on Ice. I think to be in that building for yeah. that moment for the rest of your life—it's a great one. I think it'd be a pretty great one. I think for a lot of people, it's probably the comeback game because you know there were like five hundred thousand people at the comeback game. It sounds like. I also think maybe the answer hasn't happened yet because I feel like if the Bills or the Sabers won a Super Bowl or a Stanley Cup. Be there in person. Be it, and then you know, because I could say Syracuse winning the national championship, but I was there. The one, the two that you said, I still, I obviously wasn't there in person, but I still remember to this moment. I won't describe it; it'll take too long. But with uh, Miracle on Ice and the comeback, I remember literally what I was doing at those times. I got two more here. Something about myself. We're gonna call 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 you out. Call yourself out a little bit here. Something about myself that I'd really like to change is blank. Ooh. What's like, a, bad, a bad habit or something? Like professionally, just, like just no, in what, general, anything, just something in general, a bad um, habit that you'd like to change. Huh? I, I, I'm sometimes I think I portray a lot of positivity and I try and be like a pretty positive guy, but sometimes I get very, very negative. But it's almost like always internally. Wow, a lot. And I just really? don't like. I don't portray it because like there's so much negativity going on. Like why? Sure. But like I'm always like. I'm like Eeyore. I'm like a glass half full. <laughs> like always, I'm like, it's going to go wrong. Like it always goes wrong. So I think sometimes I'm a little bit too glass half empty as opposed to glass half full. 
as someone said to me one day, and they were very correct, I operate out of guilt too much in my life. I wish I didn't yeah. do that. I wish I didn't Who do that. Who said that? that? <laughs> <laughs> but it's true. I do. I operate out of guilt. Yeah. I make decisions sometimes based on feeling guilty about making the other decision. Like I said, I have to do this because if I don't, I feel guilty not doing it because I don't want to. I don't want to disappoint people. That's really what it is, and I don't think that's a bad trait. Yeah. But if I could change something, I would. I mean, I'd have. I would wish maybe I could have better recognition that I'm not disappointing people if I make certain decisions. Okay. Because I think I'm always disappointing someone if I'm making a certain decision. Okay. Makes sense. Yeah, it makes great sense. Yeah. Last one here: a job you'd like to have if you weren't in media. Now, Sal, you cannot say coach or okay. teacher though, because you've done that already. I've and got I know, an and easy I'm one. Okay, go ahead. Golf course design. Wow. I would love to be able to like design a golf course or learn about the intricacies of golf cool. courses and all that. Cause I'm fascinated by golf. And I think that would be, I used to, when I used to get bored in like high school and stuff, I would draw sketches of like layouts of golf courses on the backs of like pieces of paper. And stuff. So I can't say like, like in management in a sports team, I don't even know if I would say that necessarily. No, like let's, can I be like a general manager of a sports what team? About, I think that would be, can I say rock star? I'm a drummer. Yeah. That'd be, yeah. I mean, Come on, I'd like to be on stage, right? Singing, <laughs> drumming. Like that'd be a great That'd be your job. lane too. I would love, love to, to have. also like own I would love to own a sport, a professional sports franchise. I think that would be the coolest thing. Yeah, I'd like to own a sports bar, a restaurant, like a nice place. It's a lot of work. <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. A nice place like Imperial <laughs> Pizza. Right. Here. See, see, the actual answer here is that's right. My wife's telling me that's right. She's in my ear. I got a producer in my ear. Um <laughs> No, the, the job I wanted since I was a little kid, game show host. You'd be good at that. I want to be a game show host. You'd That's be good I, at in that. In fact, it's not just game show. I want to be a reality TV show host now. Wow. I, I want Chris Harrison's job. I want to be, now he's not there anymore, <laughs> but I want to be the host of The Bachelor and Bachelorette. But seriously, in life, I would like to, it, that is one, a life goal. Like, I want to host a game show. That'd be wild. You could have done Wheel of Fortune until like yesterday. And Jeopardy yeah, until like two years ago. It, yeah. <laughs> Thank All right, Rod. I'm going to put a wrap on this because I literally, we can go another two hours yeah, right easy. now just talking about nothing to do with easy. sports going down this avenue. But uh, yeah, it's going to do it here live again from Imperial Pizza, South Buffalo. Guys, if you haven't been here before, come check it out. Great food, great environment. Love this place. Love the guests with me tonight, Sal Capaccio. Matt, I'm not sharing your guys twitters man you guys got enough followers on Twitter. it's ridiculous See, that's the, that's i'll the, put in the show notes what everybody already knows yeah, yeah. <laughs> i'll be back Jordan holiday weekend everybody i'm mark chapman welcome to the planet premier league podcast each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.